Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where the popular girls love to stalk and are bad at math. Book number 72, Rockstar's Girl. Who is the new girl at Sweet Valley High? Who indeed? Hello, gladiators. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am your host, of course, Marissa Flaxbart, and with me today is the fabulous Gabe Mara. Hello, Gabe. Hi, Marissa. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, Gabe and I are colleagues at indeed, Maximum indeed. Fun Podcast Network. We, 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 we click and we clack. Uh, we zoom and we boom. <laughs> We definitely Zoom, and sometimes yes. we do boom. We're Zooming right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, Gabe, you have just read one of the most innocuous subtitles that one of these books has ever had. Who yeah. is the new girl at Sweet Valley High? I, I wonder, honestly, this is my first one. I've never read any of these because, uh, you know, I was a, you know, well, I still am a boy, but... <laughs> Like and you how, were once a teen boy, yeah, or yes, pre- exactly. tween, preteen child boy, yes. And I was reading more like like fantasy novels and such. But how, uh, in your estimation, how many books with this exact same uh, t- like subtitle work for it? Just who's the new girl? To <laughs> That's high? a great question. Maybe like. 30%. Wow. <laughs> no, it's probably not that high. But you were telling me before we started recording that you had listened to the last episode that has, at the time of our recording, been released, which is episode 70. But that book, absolutely. Who's the new girl at Sweet Valley? It was Claire Middleton in that episode, in that book. And there have been many new girls in Sweet Valley. Uh-huh. Exciting about this girl in book 72 is that a one mystery that existed throughout the book is if she would stick around. And it seems like she's going to stick around. So a new character added to the mix here at Sweet Valley High. Yeah, she gets her own romance and everything. My gosh. Yeah. So let's start by talking a little bit about what she looks like here on the cover sure. <laughs> of this book. Uh, her I, curly I, hair is described in the book. Yeah, I wasn't terribly sure if that was supposed to be one of the Wakefields or if that was supposed to be Andrea Slade, the new girl. Okay, so Andrea Slade is holding the guitar <laughs> yes. in, a, in, some, in an example of something that does not happen ever in the book. No, I think it's, she's very actively not holding a guitar throughout the entire book. Very actively is, is well put. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But it does go with the title, I guess, Rockstar's Girl. I guess it would have been weirder if she didn't have a guitar in the cover. She's just some random girl, like, shrugging. Yeah. Um, maybe this, I wonder how many little girls like bought this book thinking it was going to be a lot about rock and roll, which it is very much not. There is some music in it. um, It's about a lot of like eavesdropping and (laughs) peeping, tomming. Yes. Hiding in bushes, literally hiding in bushes. There was a lot of hiding in bushes in this book. Yes. Um, now as for, so she's wearing a black, like turtleneck sleeveless top, um, Uh that looks a lot like a shirt I was literally wearing yesterday, which makes me feel pretty cool. Hey, um, are you a rock stars girl, Marissa? (laughs) Not yet. Hey, but she's very lovely. And the, just for your edification, Gabe, the young woman standing behind her, giving her the side eye is either Elizabeth or Jessica Wakefield. So we could think Mm. a little bit about why it might be which one. Based gotcha. on her body language and facial expression, do you have a guess? 
I'm guessing that's Jessica because she's she's one she's suspicious of Andrea, whereas Elizabeth in the book immediately befriends her. And I don't know, like they said that that Elizabeth dresses a little more conservatively, and yeah. maybe for the early '90s, that tank top was scandalous. It's tight. I think you're right on the money. She has her hair down, which is often a giveaway of oh. Jessica. And she, just like the look on her face doesn't say interested concern. Yes. It says skeptical curiosity, like devious curiosity. It says, are you a teenage girl fucking a grown man? <laughs> yes. So welcome to Sweet Valley High, Gabe. Yeah. Because what you've just touched on is something that in this book is just like, it, it's so purely distilled, this concept that is, looms very large in Sweet Valley High and in what we do here on Sweet Valley Diaries is one of the more glaring things that is likely to come up week after week after week is that in the 21st century especially at this far into it I Uh think we see teenage girl and we think this is a child Uh like legally if nothing else and you if you imagine an adult man Um, over the age of, say, you know, an age that has the word teen in it. Uh Uh-huh. It's troubling to consider him and the, you know, high schooler being in a relationship. Is this a recurring motif across Sweet Valley High? Um, it sure is. I mean, very recurring. I mean, at the most basic level, we've got, uh, all of the different, Pop, especially like Lila Fowler, Jessica, they're yes, often... Lila Fowler. <laughs> they are often pining after like older guys or college guys. Or they think the boys at the high school are too immature, that kind of thing. I mean, that's but, real, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but then this level of thing where it's just like nobody really bats an eye at the idea that like a fully adult man might have a... 16 year old girlfriend mm. yeah it is it's i mean it's even it's that facial expression you're making <laughs> of disgust <laughs> is warranted for many reasons and you'd think that more people in this book would be making it for many reasons yeah. but um yeah it's just like of course that's what they would assume like they sure. would assume so we're gonna get into what this book is all about and i'm curious if you gabe had a theory about what was going on here with it. Who is Andrea Slade? I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, gladiators. I'm so sorry. We didn't say who this new girl we're describing in front is. Her name is uh-huh. Andrea Slade. Andrea Slade is slender and tall with a wonderful mop of blonde curls cascading down over her shoulders. Her blue eyes were wide set and fringed with dark lashes, and she had a lovely peaches and cream complexion. Peaches and cream. Peaches That's Andrea and Slade. Cream. She's a snow white Caucasian angel. Oh, yes. She'll fit right in here at Sweet Valley High. Are there a lot of POC in Sweet Valley High? Oh, man, Gabe. Or is it very, like, like, tokenistic of the week? Like, is there a book called My Friend is Black? Yep. I mean, no, there's not a book (laughs) called that. But what you've described is, like, uh, yes. What I was actually, exactly how I was going to answer your question was, there are so few people of color in Sweet Valley High that it is almost like when we meet someone who is not white it's because like they're getting their own book and it's kind of there have been a few books that or 
gosh, there's been like one book that's been about a character of color who is, it's not about her race or race issues in the book. It's just like, she has her own thing that's going on. Patty, sure. That's the Patty Gilbert episode. <laughs> and that's nice. Uh, maybe there'll be more in the future, but I actually think for the foreseeable future, if there is a character of color that is like, makes it to the cover, uh-huh. the book is like a very special book that is about some kind of race conflict that they're having sure. to deal with. Sorry, I interrupted you. Please continue. Uh, it's, I mean, no, it's a very good question. And I mean, <laughs> I, I also too, it's like you start thinking about peaches and cream complexion and I don't know, yes. my mind starts spiraling about the history of like, you know, default whiteness and makeup culture and like, and things how, you'd never uh, think about until now I'm thinking about them. Many authors describe anyone not white as having an olive complexion, which I never really understood as a kid. I'm like, like black olives? Are they green? <laughs> I don't really understand. It's its own thing, yeah. But for means... listeners, I am Asian American, so I am allowed to speculate on non-whiteness. <laughs> right. Good. A good point of clarification yes. for anyone that was worried. Mm-hmm. Um. So we've got Andrea Slade in this book, who is, yes. as you said, uh, what did you call her? Like a, a beautiful white a American? white um, angel? <laughs> a Caucasian white, angel? Snow white Caucasian angel. Perfect. Um, and, oh, so my question to you was... Yes. When did you know who Andrea Slade was in this book? Like, how early in the book did you oh. pinpoint her deal? Immediately. <laughs> like, like, okay. like, page two. Like, it's it's obvious. Like... I, I honestly, I would have been shocked and pleased if it had turned out that she was the teenage girlfriend of a rock star. <laughs> like, that would have been, like, scandalously pleased. fascinating. But really, like, immediately, like, the second they telegraph Jamie Peters and this new girl, it's like, yeah, it's his daughter. Like, wh- what else could it be? And what I did find surprising was that it wasn't a big reveal across the book. It was that clearly Elizabeth knew. And Jessica and Lila were the ones being like, oh, geez, scandal. So, like, oh, cool, dual narrative. And I'm not sure exactly what the book intended in terms of, like, how soon would readers figure this out. I mean, we're also media literate adults who analyze stories. That's very true. And that, I guess that only confuses the question of, like, was the book <laughs> trying to hide the ball on this or not? But so what's happening, Gladiators, is that, you know, in the last book, there was a little bit of talk of this rock star Jamie Peters. He was going to have a new album that was coming out. And here, I'll read a little bit about it for you. Wonderful. L- Jessica is supposed to be cooking dinner. This happens in every fucking book. Like, Jessica never cooks dinner on her dinner <laughs> night. Liz, could you help me out this one time? Jessica pleaded. I promised Lila I'd come over. She's got this amazing compact disc player her father got in Japan. Amazing. And Jamie Peters' brand new album just came out. I picked it up at the Records Plus at the mall. I've absolutely got to hear it right away. She showed Elizabeth the disc, still wrapped. Jamie Peters was featured on the cover, holding a microphone and wearing sunglasses. His shoulder-length blonde hair was pulled back in a ponytail. He was wearing a tight t-shirt, which emphasized his lean, muscular arms. Elizabeth laughed when she saw the title of the album, Pride. Oh, boy. Pretty appropriate title for a rock star like Jamie Peters, she commented. Jamie Peters is simply the greatest male vocalist of the entire decade, Jessica defended the rock star. She fixed her gaze on the cover. He's so gorgeous. Marissa, in your opinion, who... Do you think is the real life analog to Jamie Peters? 
my my guess, if if I may I'll go ahead of you, is I think it's supposed to be George Michael before anybody realized he was gay. Because <gasps> also pride and freedom, like that would be my assumption. Honestly, one of the reasons that I highlighted this passage was because I thought it was funny uh-huh. that... Well, a bunch of things are funny in here. It's funny <laughs> that Lila has a brand new compact disc player from Japan. From Japan? So this, is, this is 90... Uh, are we in 1991 91. yet? So mm-hmm. just into 1991. This is like pretty cutting edge technology. So it's exciting that the book is talking about it. And this is why Lila, the rich girl, she's got one from Japan. I think it's pretty funny that Jessica bought a CD uh-huh. to take to Lila's house. She probably sounds like Jessica doesn't have a CD player. So. Oh, I did that. I bought a PlayStation <laughs> 2 game before I had a PlayStation 2 so I could play it at my friend's house. All right. Well, there you go. I, I mean, I believe it. But then, of course, the idea that this album is called Pride yes. to us in this moment in time as a s- standalone word suggests something different than, oh, this is a proud, you know, rock star. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, in what context would it mean pride back then? Like, he's a lion. He's proud to be him i mean i maybe the book wants us to think that he's proud of the special lady in his life oh you okay know? yeah which that's... makes sense once we learn who she is and it, his hit single doing it all for you do <laughs> yes yes exactly you got it yeah. and so immediately so this is the this is the dynamic like jessica is really psyched about jamie peters he's got this new album that's just come out it's so hot mm-hmm. the singles are all on the radio and he all has of very her... well-toned arms, yeah. which they mention like five times in the book. It's like he's always wearing a, either a tight t-shirt or like a low-cut shirt. Yeah. His, 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 obviously, his tar- torso and arms is are really very attractive. Oh, yeah. Much more so than his face, as far yeah. as I can tell. The <laughs> girls are lusting after his bod. Yeah, um, like they like his chin, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, and of course his voice, which yes. as a audio minded person i really really loved uh the description of jessica's like in intoxication with his voice his deep sultry voice yes that um a voice that sounded to jessica like a mixture of velvet and gravel i love that actually that's Uh, great yes that's that's so good very evocative i don't know if it sounds sexy or like which is strange but evocative for (laughs) sure Um, i'm in yeah, so they're all over at Lila's house listening to this album, and they're speculating about this dream man, Jamie Peters. And one of the things they're like reading a rock and roll magazine. There's a yeah. profile of him, and they're really curious about who does he write all these songs about. Oh, if we're if we're going along plot wise, we should mention that the very first scene is when Elizabeth meets um, the new girl Andrea Slade, introduced to her by Enid. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you seem really nice and mysterious. Yeah. So Enid and Elizabeth have befriended Andrea right away. They don't know much about her, but they like her sense of humor. She's cool. Um, she's from New York. She's from New York City, but she's not a bitch like Suzanne Devlin. <laughs> she past character. She is. Um, she does have kind of a sense of humor. It comes across a little bit. She talks a lot about something culture like she says you know like beach culture oh, or yeah. mall culture like i mm-hmm. i like that 
And she did not like New York City. It makes me think that the ghostwriter of this book must have really been annoyed with New York City at the time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe what what, what happened if Diane Cushing or whatever happened to her in real life? (laughs) Maybe, yeah. This is a... Yeah, go ahead and describe oh, what so you mean. Oh, it's so it's a big backstory you find out later on in the end. Why Andrea has so much trouble trusting people is because when people find out that she's the daughter of Jamie Peters, people try to use her to get connections with her dad. So um, she had a best friend named Diane Cushing in New York City. Or was it Boston? It oh, was, whatever. I, think, I think it was in New York. In New York, whose mom was an entertainment journalist and just used her. So... You know, that would that would give me some psychological scars. Absolutely. And so that's why when we were talking about the book kind of like hiding the ball on who Andrea Slade really is, she is keeping it a secret. And so it's not until like halfway through the book that we ever see Andrea and Jamie together. And even when that happens, we don't we still don't know explicitly that he is her father, but it's hard to track because, of course, you and I gave both knew that he was her father. Yeah. When did she they actually a lot reveal of... it? I, don't, I, I didn't clock that because the whole time I'm uh, like, let me oh, see. of course I have the Kindle is. edition so I can search. Like, um, for, for me, the exact actual moment I knew it was his daughter was when Jamie's talking about how his, uh, his wife died. I'm like, oh, well, of course. Right, and that's in this scene at Lila's house that we're talking about. And this is also why I'm referencing the, the inability to do math. So there's this <laughs> there's this big, like, we learn, we get this info dump about Jamie Peters as the, the popular girls are obsessing over him. And they're saying, how old do you think he is anyway? 25, Jessica said promptly. No way, Amy corrected. He's probably about 40. Look at those little wrinkly lines around his eyes. That's no 25-year-old. <laughs> Okay, maybe 30 or 35 max, Jessica guessed again. Stars can make themselves look any age they want to, Lila insisted. Daddy was telling me that the last time he was in L.A. on business, he went into this health club to work out, and all the men were having stuff put on their skin to take away wrinkles. My God. (laughs) That's gross, Amy said, wrinkling her nose. I can't see Jamie Peters ever doing something like that. So they're trying to figure out how old he is. But then the story says that he was married to his uh, to a sweetheart of he, of his that he met and they were like collaborators in his early career on his first uh-huh. album and then she died 12 years ago. Okay. So all you have to do, you've got your rock and roll magazine, you love Jamie Peters so much. When did his first album come out, girls? You know, how many years passed between when that album came out and they were together and 12 years ago when she died? Like, how old was he when his first album came out? Does he look like he might have been 18, 19? It's just like, it's not that hard to In start to defense, figure out. In their defense, Marissa, this was pre-internet, and it sounds Very like true. they're a bunch of posers who just got into him <laughs> recently. So they're not, like, clearly rock historians who were like, well, obviously, Jimmy Peters' first album came out in 1983. Therefore, they're like, I don't care. He has a nice yeah. chin. They're like, and they're, like, hot for him now because he's on MTV and he's on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. And his, They don't know his early work. Yeah. His yeah, early clearly. stuff of his original band, you know? Clearly. But even the, the Baltimore rock ago, scene. I don't know. Like... If he, would they know that it came out more than 12 years ago. Like, that's just like a simple logical deduction, right? Yeah, I would assume. So, 25. So, did they think he was 13 when that <laughs> album came out? That he made with the love of his life? Yeah, his 13-year-old love of his life. 
weird. So we have all those clues that that suggest, and then we find out that Andrea, she's got this specific thing that she does repeatedly, which is that she doesn't want. Enid and Elizabeth to pick her up at her house or drop her off at her house. Yes. She wants to meet them places. And she says it's because they've just moved and the house is a mess. And Elizabeth suspects that maybe what she's hiding is that her house is very small and she's embarrassed by it. You know, a sensible thing to assume. Yes. That's like really the main thing about Andrea that's mysterious. Yep. Oh, and her she's got this father that does something. And, yeah, and he's Andrea's, a mysterious businessman. Yeah. She hasn't really hasn't nailed down her backstory. No, she should have just made up a backstory. Don't you prepared something? Oh, he's in, like, like, I mean, you were okay if investors. He'd been going in the, oh, he's an independent investor. He works from home. Not a big deal. He works in telecom. Just say some 90s buzzwords. And these nerdy Sweet Valley kids keep on asking her more questions about what her dad does. Yeah. And, and so she's getting increasingly clamped. They can tell that she's clamming up about it because she's like visibly not wanting to answer their questions. I mean, suspicious. they're just being friendly, curious. It's not like they're trying to pry, but, you know, it's just being nice, nice all-American kids. Winston, <laughs> they're definitely the that. attempted class clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't do much clowning in this in this. <laughs> Does he do much clowning in other books? Yeah, he does. He does oh indeed. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it's okay. It's a little painful sometimes. Um, so then, I guess we should add that a detail that the Lila and Jessica and Amy, Amy and Kara, I guess, learn about Jamie Peters is that he's interested in getting into movies. Yes. And Lila thinks maybe he'll move to Sweet Valley. Sweet Valley is, you know, a great place to live and rich people can live here too. Lila should know. (laughs) Um, And this was a fun moment of like getting, you know, yet more confirmation that LA is pretty close to Sweet Valley. Yeah. Where do you, is it like Altadena, you think? Like it's like outside Pasadena? I think that is a nice guess. But the thing is, it's on the beach. Oh. And... There is something that's happened in the books before that have le- has led me to believe that it is south of L.A. Oh, okay. It, but a lot of people say it sounds kind of like the Palisades, which I think... Oh, sure. I is, see that. I mean, now we would say that just is L.A., but maybe in 91 it was more... I don't know. We're Angelinos listening. <laughs> so... You can tell by our, our natural tans. Yeah, uh, we don't right. have an East Coast game more than me. Yeah, right. That's yes, just I, I, Andrea explicitly mentions her East Coast pallor and talks a lot about how she says multiple times in the book that she's going to really have to work to catch up with everybody's tans, <laughs> <laughs> and an that she can thing. tell that having a tan is important in Sweet Valley High. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, l- lo and behold, <laughs> Lila sees Jamie Peters. Downtown, um, outside the yeah. pharmacy. She sees him multiple times in one day. And the other friends don't believe her, really. Well, like, yeah. They think she's just spinning tails. I mean, n- not to not to cast aspersions, but I think Lila's full of shit. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is. Um, is she, and... like, the villain of the series? Like, I'm just curious. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> like, like if, if we're 70 books in, that's less than halfway through, but more than the entire series. If she never changes, then, like, dang, you know, 
Paris from Gilmore Girls eventually became an amazing character. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what's in store for Lila. But, uh, yeah, kind of. Just, just a villain. horrible person, Lila. Yeah, well, I mean, because one of the things that she finds out, and she calls Jessica, like, from her car phone in a tizzy, <laughs> is that she has followed Jimmy Peters. Interrupting yeah. dinner. Yes, dinner. <laughs> Alice Wakefield is not very interested in letting Jessica take this phone call during mm-hmm. dinner, which is quaint. But <laughs> Lila has followed Jamie Peters home from her second spotting of him in a day. And she's, you know, she's desperate to, like, make it clear that, like, not only was she not lying about Jamie Peters, but she was right in her supposition that he might move to Sweet Valley. Mm-hmm. And she is, like, waiting outside his house for a glimpse of him. Creep. They're living in a place called the Kitterby Estate. Oh. A Spanish um, villa design, I believe, it says? Yes. And Lila, she's like, wait a second. I used to hang out with Anita Kitterby, who who used to live in this house. So I know how we can, like, sneak in without being seen to get a close look at the property. And when she just, desc- later on, when she describes to Jessica how to get there, it's like she knows, she's got, like, a blueprint. Yeah, the- she, like, she, like, straight up draws a Mission Impossible map. Yeah, yeah. Like- she's like, they have a pool. It's a, it's a, on a Spanish tiled patio. Yes, and like, and even like Amy and Jessica are like, dude, what the hell is all this? Yeah, this is crazy. Like, There's a bush a few feet away. I think it's calla lilies. <laughs> they like, really are okay, calla lilies. <laughs> so, uh, Marcy, uh, if I can ask, uh, in in this, I can't tell what the scale of morality is in these books. Is, are we supposed to feel that Lila is doing something really wrong and really inappropriate by sneaking onto the property? Because, spoiler alert, by the end, when they get busted, it's all, it's all very, oh boy, you guys. Or is it like, wow, she's doing something really inappropriate? I think it's somewhere in between. Like between antiquey and wrong. Mm-hmm, yeah, because one thing that's interesting. So, so they do ultimately know this way through like parkland. They describe it. Sure. They can walk out of a park and basically like walk up a hill and hide behind a bush and be you know like a few hundred yards away from the patio where they can glimpse Jamie Peters. Yes. And eventually they do, and they glimpse eventually Andrea coming out. And, like, giving him a kiss on the cheek. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. you know, halfway or so through the book. But... (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, that's halfway to sex. Like, oh, my gosh. I mean, in Sweet Valley, maybe so. But uh, But there is one point where... Lila is very insistent that they cannot be caught. They cannot be caught. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, there, she's very insistent that they keep their mouths shut. They don't make a sound. They do not do a good job of that. And they, no. every single time they go and hide in this bush, they end up having to run away <laughs> for just like it, total gut wrenching fear of being spotted and caught. They do and such Lila, a bad yeah. job of being quiet in the bush. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I, I was like, Jesus, guys, why are you whispering so loudly and swatting at bees? Will you relax? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And all of that, um, Lila's like worries about that and worries about getting in trouble, getting caught. Like, she seems to understand the gravity of it. To me, that points to like, we're supposed to understand that like not only that what they're doing is wrong but that they know it's wrong and they're they don't feel 
perfectly cool about doing it. But then Jessica also fantasizes about getting caught and being like offered a cup of lemonade or something. Oh my gosh. When we got to that part, I was like, oh no, Jessica, don't do it. Don't do it. And she didn't do it. <laughs> I was like really it. worried that she was going to like stand up and be like, oh, Jamie. Oh God. Ugh. My she skin crawled. Well, your skin, it was crawling a lot around about that part of the book. Yes, it was. Um, but before we get to that, we should talk about a couple of other things. Okay, one please do. Huge development in the life of Andrea Slade is that she meets Nicholas Morrow. Thoughts on Nicholas Morrow? Um, he sounds so studly and so cute. Uh, you know, I, I, Marissa, I'm, I'm what some people would call a short king. I'm five <laughs> six, and I do just fine. But it always bothers me that I have n I like reading romance novels. I find them very fun. I enjoy the formulaic nature of them. Every single one. The first signifier that a guy is hot is that he's tall. And I'm like, mm. well, okay. You know, I get it. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. But Nicholas Morrow, tall, black locks, beautiful man, apparently. Sweet, yeah. loves sailing. Nicholas Morrow not breaking the mold on stereotypical romance novel hot guy. Yeah. Even less so than some of the other characters in the book. But yeah, he's also very wealthy, but he's nice about it. And has a he tragic has a... backstory. Exactly what I was going to say, yes. So, but was that covered um, in the previous, in book 71? Is that what it's about? Or is that way, oh, way no. before? Oh, no. That is, it's way before. That was a very momentous. I want to say it was something like book 40. Wow. What's the timeline on these books? Does something crazy happen every week the, in Sweet Valley Listen, Valley? listen, bud. The longer <laughs> we go reading these books, the weirder it gets. Because it's like Elizabeth has a long-term boyfriend, but Regina just passed away a few months ago. So it's like, which is it? Like, yeah. <laughs> has it been... I mean, we know that they're still juniors, but just, like, they'd be better off not referencing time at all. <laughs> yeah. It's like that show Death in Paradise. It's like, how many murders can there be in one <laughs> island? Yeah. And it's amazing how easily they just sort of, like, gloss over the various dramas in their recent past. Teenage life is hard. High school's hard. Yeah. But sometimes the books do bring up these traumas, and Regina's death is one of the, like, pet favorite tragedies that the book has, will not let forget deaths especially the books hang on to and that makes sense uh but anyway nicholas and and andrea meet by chance while andrea's out with elizabeth and enid at the mall yeah and they're immediately quite taken with each other and nicholas invites andrea out on his sailboat oh, boy oh boy uh which is like he just got Yes, he says something so weird about it. Like, I love, yeah, he introduces it something like, "Let me tell you a bit about my sailboat." Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about my boat. He continued walking down the pier in front of her. It's called Morning Glory, and it's brand new. I traded in my sunfish for it just a few months ago. And he goes on to say, "I wasn't sure I should go ahead with it, but I convinced myself that's one of the reasons I'm working before college." Like, to buy a sailboat? I guess so. <laughs> like, what a 
rich guy thing to say. Yeah. Like, most people, if they're working before college, it might be to save money for college. For college. But not Nicholas Morrow. Nope. It's like, he's, what am I working for if not to buy a sailboat? Yeah, he's before. going to the computer whiz in the mall to buy equipment to do more computer work. You know, work mm-hmm. of computers in 1991. Yep. It's a big, big industry. So... They go out on the sailboat. They have a romantic moment, which we can talk about. Oh, yeah. Does this happen often in these books, Marissa, where, like, I was kind of surprised that, like, it doesn't feel like either of the sisters are the main characters of this book. Like, there's long passages here where it's from, like, basically Andrea's point of view, spending time dating Nicholas. And I was like, huh, I didn't think there were going to be scenes in this book that they didn't have the sisters in them. Yeah. The, the Wakefield twins are the main characters of the series. Mm. And they are, they factor into every book. But there are many books in which they are not the main characters of the books. Okay, cool. Um, and switching POV is just a bit bread and butter of this series. <laughs> just switch into anybody's POV. It doesn't have to, does, definitely does not have to be the main character. I love or it. Or even an important character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you'll get a surprise POV from the bad guy, you know, just for a second. Cool. You know? I'm surprised it. we didn't get a Jamie Peters POV in this book. Oh, yeah. It would have been good. It would have been good. I would have appreciated it. Uh, but, yeah, so Nicholas lets his hand, he, he slips down his hand over Andrea's hand. Yes. Guys, don't. Or <laughs> um, else and, would you slip your hand? Yeah. Yeah. But On a boat. Yeah. <laughs> They're cute. And then they go out to dinner that night. And then they go out to dinner again the next night. Yeah. So. On one night, they try to get Italian food, angel hair with herbs and cream sauce. Yes, because Andrea said that's her favorite food or something. Yeah, I'm like, I had this pasta. Have you heard of it? It's called angel hair. I'm like, <laughs> yes. Y- yes? I don't know. Well, these, are, these books are for like 12-year-olds, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. When they go out to dinner the next night, and then they... You know, they, they go to the Dairy Burger, which Andrea's already been to. With Why do they spell Benin. it like that? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but then Nicholas said this thing that I thought was kind of presumptuous, which is when Andrea is picking up her car from Nicholas's house where she's driven to, to meet him and going home. Nicholas says to her, one of these days, you're going to let me pick you up and take you home. He said softly, like a real date. Mm. One of these days, Andrea murmured, she was glad he couldn't see her face. She was afraid her expression might give something away. Andrea, he tipped up her face and looked searchingly in her eyes. Thanks for a fantastic day, she began, struggling to keep her composure. But she lost the struggle. Nicholas took her in his arms and kissed her, and Andrea forgot everything but how wonderful it felt to be held by him. She did not want the moment to stop, ever, and she really meant it when she told him she couldn't wait to see him again the next evening. Um, so yeah, I thought it was weird that he's like already. It's literally like we met yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days you're gonna let me see where you live. Jeez. It's like, all right, he's calm a down. Smooth like, operator. Yeah, fast and just like, worker, it's, Nick. Like his masculinity is so offended by the idea. Like it's not a real date if he can't pick her up. Like yes. I don't know. There's something about that that rubbed me the wrong way. That's some Gilmore Girls logic. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely like. It definitely illustrates what Andrea's like and the confusion and, like, this one little thing that she won't let people see her house. Everybody is like, this is so weird. Yes. Well, so, of course, as soon as Lila and Jessica and Amy do their sneaking Mm -hmm. and they see uh, Andrea Slade giving 
Jamie Peters a kiss on the cheek in his backyard, they, A, know instantly that she is his girlfriend. Yes. His teenage lover, which is... His just teenage lovers. Those words, I'm pleased to say, are not in the book. <laughs> yes, no, that, that was me editorializing everybody. I mean, close. Yeah. Uh, I, that's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is that Lila, of course, like the rumor is instantly all over school. Um, and, and the rumors like comes in parts. Like first, there's the the rumors going around that Jamie Peters has moved to Sweet Valley. Oh my God. Yes. And then there's the second half of the rumor, which is that a- Andrea Slade is his girlfriend. Yeah. Well, they're like, this has to be quiet between the four of us. Can I tell Kara? And I'm like, oh, great. The second you <laughs> tell Kara, everyone's going to know. I haven't even read these books, and I knew, like, the second you're going to tell Kara, everyone's going to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're not really that very interested in keeping it <laughs> hushed. And, like, People like Jamie Peters is not trying to keep it a secret that he lives in Sweet Valley either. It's only Andrea. And so Elizabeth actually puts together the maybe of it, like you said. Like, oh, I wonder if there's there any possibility that he could be Andrea's dad? That's but much she's... more logical than yeah. whatever. Like, what a. But even fucking Elizabeth, she. <laughs> I made a note because it made me so frustrated. Where are my notes? Because I made a note because. There's this weird thing where, so Elizabeth's been wondering why Andrea's keeping the secret, right? She and Eden have been talking about it. Like, what's the deal? Then we hear from Andrea's perspective many times that the reason why she doesn't want to tell people is that then they will treat her like she's a, a rock star's daughter and she That's won't the title. be able to. Yeah, rock star's girl. <laughs> yeah. She won't be able to. It would have been funny if they'd called it Rockstar's Daughter. Like, yeah. just give it all <laughs> away. Up. Why not? You know? <laughs> but um, th- she won't be able to tell who likes her for her and who is just playing her like Diane Cushing, right? Yeah, of course. So um, we know that. And Elizabeth knows that she has a secret. So when Jessica and Lila come to Elizabeth and Enid and they're like, oh, my God, we know Andrea's secret. And it's that she's living with Jamie Peters. He's her boyfriend. She's his girlfriend, and, like, no wonder she wouldn't want anybody to know, because he would get in trouble. Yeah, they're living in sin. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, they wouldn't want the school to find out is something that Lila says at one point. So it's like, at least they're somewhat aware of the grossness of that dynamic. I guess so. But they also, like, assert that Jamie Peters is not old enough to be her father. So he can't be her father. So here's here's a scene that, that I made a note about. I don't see why you two are so resistant to the truth. What's wrong with having a friend who's got great connections? Lila asked. Actually, I wouldn't mind getting to be better friends with her myself. Me neither, Jessica added. I'm sorry I didn't get to know her better before. Which Elizabeth is like, tries to get Jessica to hang out with yeah. Andrea multiple times earlier in this book. And Jessica's uninterested. Yeah, she's a flippantly like, yeah, I'm not really interested in new. Girl. I'm gonna go and hang out with Lila and Amy and Kara again. It We're actually gonna listen is, to a compact disc. It's really boring. <laughs> Jessica's being pretty boring in this book, except for when she's like stalking celebrities. I guess that's exciting. Yeah, and it wasn't even her idea. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna invite her over to my house the second she gets back to school. Amy chimed in. You're awful, all of you. Elizabeth was madder than she had been in a long time. Andrea's going to know you're not genuinely interested in her, that you're just using her for her connection to Jamie Peters. How's that supposed to make her feel? Lila got up and flipped her hair back with a perfectly manicured hand. 
Don't be so concerned, Liz. I'm sure she's used to it. Personally, I can't wait to spend a little more time with Andrea. Maybe she and Jamie can fix me up with someone and we can double date. Someone like Bruce Springsteen. Ugh. <laughs> Lila, you're terrible. And also, that's weird. Yeah. And so then Elizabeth is so mad. She says, I've heard enough. Enid, let's get out of here. Elizabeth pushed her tray back in disgust. Elizabeth felt terrible about the rumor. She knew it couldn't possibly be true. There was no way Andrea could be involved that way with Jamie <laughs> Peters. You mean fucking? <laughs> yeah, they, that way. If she wasn't living with him, he must be her father. That was the only logical explanation. But deep inside, an uncomfortable little voice in Elizabeth couldn't help but ask, then why didn't Andrea tell us? Why keep her identity a secret? Unless she really does have something to hide. And it's like, Elizabeth, you literally just said why. You said it to Lila. You said, don't you think she will be, I mean, li- verbatim, she says, how's that supposed to make her feel? You're just using her for her connection to Jamie Peters. Like, you already know why, you idiot. Like, yeah. I was so frustrated. Luckily, it didn't really come to much. Like, Elizabeth never is rude to Andrea. Yeah, I, feel, I would have been very frustrated if, like Elizabeth like turned on Andrea I would have been like I, I felt like this was a pretty not agile but a pretty decent use of of not entirely being an idiot plot that there are mm-hmm. reasons why people don't spill their secret right away like yeah but at the same time it's like come on come on Liz right I mean at the end of the day this is another one of these books that like Every Sweet Valley High novel seems to spin on miscommunication. Sure. And that's what happens here. You know, so now this rumor is out and the rumor comes out on a day that Andrea is at home sick with a bad cold. Mm-hmm. She never gets colds this bad. <laughs> convenient. A cold of convenience. Yes. A plot convenience. Mm-hmm. One um, of those California colds. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, then before she can even like clear it up with anybody well a few things happen right like yes. she comes back to school and the word is out the rumor has the spread. word is out and she can tell that people are treating her weird like i guess people found out that's what she thinks it's yes. like oh andrea baby you have no idea <laughs> like she's afraid that people have found out that jamie peters is her dad yes it's like oh no now everybody's gonna be weird to me caroline pierce is all up on her ass like trying to be friends with her caroline and people are like snickering a little bit it's weird you know and then there's this great moment where lila tries to ingratiate herself and so in order to talk about that we have to explain lila's B plot. Yes. Do you want to talk about this? Because um, it's interesting for one primary reason in my mind, and I don't know if this is something that you picked up on yourself, but do you want to tell the sure. listeners a little bit about it? So part of the B plot here regarding Lila is that while all the cool hangings on are going on at Lila's place, Amy and Jessica keep on digging at at Lila for being shallow and fake and not well-rounded and losing some kind of radio contest. I don't yeah, know. that was the last book. So, okay. and th- the idea of well-roundedness loomed large in that book. So, <laughs> it's well, hanging on for one more book. So, so Lila has decided that she's going to become a professional musician, and the girls are like, "Yeah, okay. What are what instrument are you going to play?" And amazingly, Lila's response is, I'm working with producer Max Sharp to discover what instrument I am. 
You don't even have an instrument yet? You've had like three lessons? And it turns out that the instrument that best uh, matches Lila is the marimba. Well, that's what the book asserts. But yes. here's the thing. I thought a marimba is like a xylophone. It sure is, Gabe. A marimba <laughs> is a xylophone. So it's, I actually did more research than I usually do excellent. for these episodes to try and get to the bottom of Lila's musical instrument, which is repeatedly referred to throughout the book as a marimba. I wish I could give the author's credit for saying, like, well, Lila's just so foolish. Yes, yeah, sure. About this instrument that she doesn't even know what the damn thing is called. Kate but William. I, I don't really think that that's what's going on here. So we have it described to us a few times. Jessica thinks it looks like a cross between a zither and a harp. It sounds like a zither, what she's talking about. Yeah, but then also but every they say time... they zither, so... Yeah, so they know what a zither is, yeah. apparently. <laughs> but every time they talk about Lila playing it, they talk about her, like, pulling a metal strip. So there is an instrument called a kalimba... Oh, okay. That is essentially one of those like finger harp things. It sounds much smaller than what they're describing oh, those, Lila yeah. playing. Yeah. So it sounds much smaller, but um, it doesn't look like a cross between a zither and a harp. So that there is another instrument that looks like a little bit like a cross between a zither and a harp. Um, and the name of that instrument... Is it the theremin? It's lost to me at the moment. Oh, no, it's called a kora. K-O-R-A. Oh, so okay. nothing like, it doesn't sound anything like marimba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have metal strips. It just, a kora, I'll, maybe I'll put in some audio clips of what a kora sounds like. Cool instrument, but it, it sounds like the zither harp thing, but it doesn't have the metal the metal strip thing yeah and then finally there is a thing that is kind of like a kalimba but like older and it has multiple levels and it's called an mbira m-b-i-r-a okay so my theory is that somehow somebody writing this book got the idea of a kalimba and an mbiri and maybe a kora too like mixed up in their minds <laughs> sure <laughs> they don't even know what instrument they're talking about i can dig yeah maybe the embira yeah it looks like a looks like a, a zither the harp john but yeah, it's from zimbabwe <laughs> apparently so yeah so it is also hilarious to picture lila fowler of all people being told that her instrument should be this like um traditional african yes uh, wooden instrument oh like, boy lila would be just ripe material for today's just cancel yeah. culture <laughs> yeah. lila's canceled <laughs> well for many reasons yeah this um this is just par for the course but she's wearing like a dashiki it's like lila stop <laughs> with that yeah Actually, i don't know what it's called right now sorry <laughs> um but the so the reason that it was important to get into all that is that Lila is so delusional about her musical abilities that she wants to audition for Jamie Peters. Like, maybe he can use her in his music. Yes. So that's her primary interest in befriending Andrea. I mean, yeah, Lila's, Lila's just a star fucker. You know, we get it. Oh, for real. Yeah, yeah. No question. She, she, we don't need, she doesn't need any actual justification to get near him. He's just a famous rock star. But the 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 pretense is she wants to play music for him, which right. is preposterous. 
<laughs> so here's the scene where Lila just comes right out. She like does not gently broach any of this with Andrea. She just like she acts like she and Andrea know each other really well. I feel like they've never met. I don't think they have. <laughs> and here's what she says. I want you to set up an audition for me with Jamie. Nothing fancy, just a chance to let him hear what I sound like. Maybe when he cuts a new album, who knows, he might need a marimba player. Even after a lifetime of dealing with this sort of behavior, Andrea still didn't know what to say in these situations. I don't think that's a very good idea, she managed at last. Lila was getting angry. Come on, Andrea. Are you trying to say you don't have any sway over him? That isn't the point, Andrea said coldly. Maybe you don't, Lila added with a pout. Maybe he doesn't even listen to you. Although if I were you, that would bother me a lot. After all, you are his girlfriend. Doesn't he always claim in his songs and interviews that he'd do anything for you? Cringe city. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of cringing or like barfing, <laughs> here, here's what happens. Andrea stared at Lila. At first, she thought she hadn't heard her right. Then she started to laugh. What's so funny? Lila snapped. Don't try to wiggle out of this one either, Andrea. We all know the truth now, so don't think you can deny it. What's the truth, Lila? Andrea asked her, her laughter subsiding and her anger taking over. That Jamie Peters is my boyfriend? The scorn and incredulity in Andrea's voice seemed to silence Lila. For a long minute, Andrea watched her waver. But Lila couldn't bear it. Her curiosity got the best of her. Well, isn't he? She asked. Which is funny to imagine a long minute. Yeah, literally 60 seconds. (laughs) 60 seconds of silence is a long time. Um, So Andrea got to her feet. She could feel a dull throbbing in her head. Answering Lila right then was a little bit like answering every kid who'd ever wanted to know her whole life who Jamie Peters was to her. She told Lila something she'd wanted to say for so long, but had never had the nerve to do. Lila, listen to me. It's none of your business who Jamie Peters is to me. Lila's mouth dropped open. She didn't say a word. I've got to get out of here, Andrea muttered. Then she got to her feet and stomped off. It was in italics, too. Yeah. And Elizabeth calls after her. But basically, that's what Andrea says. And she realizes later, that was stupid. Yeah, (laughs) it should have been a little more clear. In the moment, we see how good it felt. She's like, fuck you for even asking me. Like, it's none of your business. Yeah, legit. That's fair. But maybe you should have covered your ass a little bit more. But Elizabeth, to her credit, is like, you guys can't still think that he's her her boyfriend boyfriend." at this point. Like, she wouldn't have reacted like that if, if, you know, she... And Lila was like, well, how would she have reacted? Like, of course she would deny it. Lila Fowler, garbage human. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it gets worse, right? It It gets so much worse before it gets better. I don't... Does it get better for Lila? (laughs) Just for Lila... Well... No, well, not I mean, for Lila, but we I mean, don't care. For poetic justice, it doesn't, but... <laughs> no, but, I mean, for poor Andrea, because she's supposed to have a dinner date with Nicholas. Yeah. And before the date can happen, Nicholas is buying her, like, blue hydrangeas. Yeah. Flower store. You're moving really fast, Nicholas. Oh, my God. He's so head over heels. They really are, like, hot and bothered for each other, Oh, for sure. sure. I mean, there's no reason not to believe they're true lovers, but at the same time, <laughs> dang, Nicholas. Yeah. So when Jessica and Lila see Nicholas and they're like, who are those four? And they can tell just by listening to him that he's really smitten with her, um, with Andrea. Lila, Jessica, 
Jessica has mixed feelings about it, which is an example of how Jessica is, like, not as evil as Lila, right? Yes. Like, she's, like, a, a degree, <laughs> a, sh- a closer, a paler shade of gray, yeah. let's say. I like the spectrum-y idea that in the middle we have Elizabeth and Jessica, and Jessica, the worst possible version of Jessica would be Lila, and the shyer version of Elizabeth would be Enid. It's like, okay, cool, there's extensions. Mm. This is interesting. A continuum, certainly. Yes. Um, and Nicholas, fuck Nicholas Morrow, he fucking believes Lila when she tells him that Andrea Slade is living with Jamie Peters, and that's how they put it, right? Yes. And that they're an item. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like she's just- two-timing me? Oh my gosh! How could I have been such a fool? She was being secretive. I guess this is why. Oh my gosh, how could I be such a fool? Yeah. Doofus. And it's like, Nicholas Morrow, you are a smart man. You know who Jamie <laughs> Peters is. Think about it. Like, you don't have to be obsessed with him. Think about the likelihood of the girl that you know is the girlfriend of that guy. Yes. Like, call the cops if you're really <laughs> yeah. worried. Like, literally, call mm-hmm. the cops. It yep. is illegal. I guess it wasn't that big a thing back in 1991. <sighs> well... <laughs> So what he does is he writes a note to her. That's so it's dramatic. So, at least Come it's on, better than. Dude. I mean, I'm glad he didn't just straight up stand her up with no note. That's fair, but, I guess. But the, I mean, the right thing to do would have been to go there. Yeah, it, I mean, like instead in of note. a third degree burn, he gives her a second degree burn. It's like, come on, <laughs> right. man, communicate. Right in the note, he does say, "Dear Andrea." I'm sorry I couldn't meet you in person, but I don't really feel up to facing you right now. You know, so he says, why didn't you tell me, Andrea? You know, he explains the what he means. They told me you were living with Jamie Peters. He says, I thought there was something special between us. The last thing in the world I'd have ever imagined is that... Well, I need to read this seriously. Okay, I'm just going to read it. I think you'll understand how shocked I was when I ran into some people who know you from school and they told me you were living with Jamie Peters. Why didn't you tell me, Andrea? I thought there was something really special between us. The last thing in the world I'd have ever imagined is that you could be involved with another guy. Now that I know the truth, I feel like an idiot. It's pretty hard being the last to know. Oh, boy. You're gonna feel like an idiot, Well, let me see if the mic can catch me rolling my eyes. And that's when Andrea is like, oh, shit, I never actually denied it, did I? Nope. <laughs> oh, Andrea. But then something amazing happens. Andrea decides not to go home because she doesn't want to face her dad, who she's afraid is like going to go on a European tour and make them move again. And which break really a promise. Want. Yeah. So there's a phone call at the Wakefield house. Mm-hmm. Jessica answers. During dinner. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a friend of Jessica's. It's not Todd calling for Elizabeth. It is Jamie Peters. Jamie effing Peters. Whose new album Pride is out now. <laughs> yeah, available on Compact Discs. Yeah. Wherever fine Compact Discs are sold. And it was really so touching. And like, if there had been any doubt that this man is this girl's father, yes. he's just like, he's being a dad, right? Yeah. He's like, she always tells me where... Like, if she has plans, she she lets me know, and she's, it's not like her to just not come home. I saw your name in her notebook or something. Yeah, Elizabeth I found her Wakefield. phone number and your name on her desk. Yeah, like, I don't know who, she doesn't know the town, she doesn't know anybody. Where is she? That's and some then, good dad uh, stuff. You know, yeah. 
And then it all unravels. Like, Jessica tells Elizabeth what they told Nicholas. You know, Elizabeth tells Nicholas that there's something she has to tell about Andrea. Go to Nicholas's house. Nicholas reveals that he stood Andrea up. But he also saves the day by knowing where she'll be. Yeah, because both of them just love the marina. It's where they're at most peace. Yeah. I thought it was going to be something very dramatic when they find her. Like, she's about to sail away into the ocean. I actually did, too. I was afraid. I mean, it would not be uncharacteristic of these books to suddenly have her be almost drowning. Yes, that's what I thought was going to happen. She decided to take Nicholas's boat out, yeah. which would have been wild, but yeah. like she decided to do that. And now it's dark, it's night, and the wind is, you know, howling, and they have to save her, you know? But She's just standing on the pier. Yeah. Chilling. So, wind in so, her hair. Yeah. So they take her home, and they're all chilling. Meanwhile, <laughs> the popular girls are back hiding in the bushes again. Yep. Oh, it wasn't. It was just Jessica and Lila, right? I don't think Amy was there. Yeah, I guess so. God, they're just hiding in the bushes again. <laughs> and there's a funny moment where they stand up, and Jamie Peters like doesn't. It, t- it takes him a minute to realize that she's the identical twin of the person. Yeah, that- that's why I recognize you. You have the same face. Yeah, that's a direct quote, guys. That is exactly what he says. You have. The- oh, I see now. You have the same <laughs> face. My God, are you clones? What could this be? Yeah, but um, you know, <laughs> the epilogue ends up being that uh, Jamie Peters is staying in Sweet Valley for at least two years because he signed some kind of movie contract. Thank goodness, him and Leo, Leo the agent, and apparently Lila is gonna play the marimba as an extra in his movie. Yes. <laughs> or not the marimba, but what she calls the marimba. Yes. The M- Mbira or whatever. Yeah. I really thought there was going to be some kind of actual comeuppance for Lila. No. Nope. The only thing close to a comeuppance for those girls is that Elizabeth is blackmailing Jessica into doing her chores. Yeah, like... So Jessica has to pay a price, but Lila doesn't? Yeah, when, when they get busted, like, all of a sudden, like, Lila so smoothly, like like a fucking sociopath, lies so cleanly to him, being like, yes, I am here. We are friends with your daughter. And, like, even Jessica's throne, like, wow, I can't believe she's lying so smoothly. And I thought it was going to be, like, leading up to Lila getting some comeuppance. No. Mm-hmm. Lila just continues her reign of terror. I wonder if the book wants us to think that Lila's comeuppance is that she does get cast in this movie, but the she's going to be on screen as a joke. Because, you know, the suggestion is that Jamie Peters thought it would be funny to have this weird girl playing this instrument in the background of his movie. I would love that, to be fair. Yeah. But the thing is, is it really comeuppance if Lila doesn't understand yes, that it's a joke? Yes, it doesn't. Her, like, that's, that's where I'm like, like she wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Andrea's going to stick around, so presumably we'll be hearing more from Andrea Slade in the future. That's very exciting. I like Andrea Slade. Yeah. I and would befriend I, her and not care about her rock star dad. I agree. It would be... Great. Yeah, she like, seems fun. Yeah, you don't want to be like like Lila's ultimate crime is being tacky. It's like, come on, dude, be cool. Yeah, 
Be cool. You're, right? you're fr- like this girl's dad is rich and famous. Fucking be cool, bro. Don't yeah. Don't be tacky. <laughs> and I know she's only sixteen, but it's like she did grow up in the LA area. Like, shouldn't she know a little bit yeah. more about how to be cool? That's, around that's some that's some gauche ass shit. <laughs> Like, it is. Come on. We should talk a little bit more about such gauche ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what a tongue twister in um, extra drama. But now that we've reached the end of the plot of this book, I have a very important question for you, Gabe, as yes. a first timer on Sweet Valley Diaries. Um, do you think, based on what you've seen of them, that you are a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Oh, um, I would say in my 20s, I was definitely a Jessica in high school and now that i'm out of my wild years i'm definitely an elizabeth like oh. i'm and well, i'm speaking of being well-rounded yeah exactly i get on all around and i've always been into elizabeth types like my my lady friend is 1000 percent an elizabeth but also i i imagine that neither neither of the sisters come off bad in this book neither of them actively do anything terrible of their own volition but I yeah. hear occasionally they may not act super duper chill. No, I mean, and Jessica, she is, it's not like she's doing good things, but yeah, it's like she gets a, she gets off a little bit li- with a lighter, She and comes off looking a little bit better because we see her inner monologue of like having some doubts about things and, and she, she like, she's kind of going along with she her She stands friend. up for Enid. So she does weirdly. I mean, she's a bitch to Enid, about Enid to Elizabeth, <laughs> yeah. but we get this, we get this glimpse into a, a Jessica thing that is. It's usually more of an Elizabeth thing. Like we haven't seen it in a while, but there's usually this thing with Elizabeth where she can't stand it when other people are talking shit about Jessica, even though she gets really mad at Jessica. Sure. But in this book, the, we had a new version of it that I appreciated, which was Jessica didn't want to hear Lila or Amy or whoever it was. Uh, just saying something disparaging about Enid. Mm. She's like, it's okay if I say it, but you can't say it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's that's some family loyalty. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm I am certain I am an Elizabeth. I'm a right. I'm a serious person, if, and I you know I was the editor of my high school paper. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Um. What What are you? I am such an Elizabeth that I learn things about myself from these books. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> uh, by, by things that I get mad at Elizabeth over and things that I agree with Elizabeth and what choices she makes that uh, make me cringe more than others. It's, sure. I'm yeah. imagining you having this moment, like you read the book, then you put it down, you go to the bathroom mirror and you're like, I'm Elizabeth. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, listen, let's talk a little bit more uh, in an extra drama episode. Uh, But for now... I I do want to ask about the cliffhanger at the end of this book, though. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, This was a very... These books usually end with a tease to what's coming in the next book. But in this one, it was really saved. It slipped in at the very end. Yeah, I'm like, what what is this? This is wild. I was like, oh, an additional scene. Where is this going? Oh, it's pulling me into the next book. Yeah. That, um, so you want to talk, describe sure. it? Uh, Mrs. Morrow, uh, uh, Nicholas's and Regina's mother, um, stops Elizabeth. Like, they're randomly in the street or something. And she's like, I knew how close you were to Regina, and Regina has something for you. I was going through her things, and there's something Regina wanted you to have. And the book ends with, like, 
Oh boy. Well, let's let's, let's, let's see what it says exactly. Yeah. Will you read for us also? Though you could read to us the final sentence of the book, and that's what one that's in italics. Sure. What could Regina's mother want Elizabeth to have? Find out in Sweet Valley High, number seventy-three, Regina's legacy. What a title! Yeah. Like it makes it sound like. I don't know. There's like some, so a, a, a treasure map. I don't know. <laughs> some property for her. What could it be? I'm, 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 I'm genuinely curious. Out. I actually really want to know now. I think this is going to be a really fun one. The next book. It's very And exciting. Regina, you know, she deserves to have a legacy. So good for her. Yeah. What if it's more drugs? <laughs> it can't be. She was only into <laughs> drugs for like a day. Oh, okay. Dramatic. She died the first time she tried drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it always happens? It is in the You smoke 80s marijuana and 90s, once, then you yeah. die? Yeah, it was cocaine. Oh, no. Yeah. You, she started with cocaine. Like, Yo, come wow. On, come on, dude. That, it took me a while to try cocaine. <laughs> it was a long road there. Oh, my gosh. No. She had a short road, and it was <laughs> paved with peer pressure. I, I guess it's better than her jumping straight to, like, heroin. So True. That's true. It's all, it's all relative. Very true. Um... Well, she, she gummed it, and that's how she died? Uh, no, she had a heart condition. Oh, Poor Regina. Gosh. I'm sure we'll be talking more about it in the next episode of Book 73, Regina's Legacy. Uh, but for now, we'll leave you uh, with a, a lesson that comes straight from this book. Anyway, I've learned a lesson since I've been on Sweet Valley. It isn't worth keeping secrets. Somehow, they always backfire. Is, is that the lesson? I think the lesson is mind your fucking business. <laughs> All right. And with that, we leave you gladiators. Remember, mind your fucking business. <laughs> <laughs>